He's going for the corner. He's got it. Morning space. Burst of speed. He's still going. An answering prayer. The kids are playing their tail off, and the coaches are screwing it up. Let's go roll the boats. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. Our football team was like the kid that plays second French horn in the school band. We've got to play better. I'm not going to, so quit asking. Lobs it in the air. Oh, what a catch. Go Tigers. The ball's up in the air. Caught. Touchdown. Incredible. Yeah, everybody, welcome into the CFP 100, where we break down all the latest action from the college football world and preview the upcoming week. I'm Wesley Splain, another solo show today, no problem about that. Um, college football is getting exciting right now, very, very exciting. I hope everyone's doing well out there. I hope if you pick for a living, I hope you're doing fine, because uh, we're about to get into the nitty-gritty of conference play as we finish up October, and then we'll start discussing playoff implications in November, and then we'll have uh, championship week. We'll be here before you know it, and we'll all be debating on, oh, the 12-team playoff should come in now, or we should go to the BCS, or whatever. So we're just getting started here with this college football season, and it already has delivered a bunch of fireworks. Uh, we'll just go ahead and recap week six and then I'll have a little bit of a discussion point I want to talk about. And then we will go into previewing a loaded week seven. Very loaded. A lot of top tier matchups. A lot of really good in the middle of the road matchups as well. We also have, um, they have to be competing with MLB baseball, uh, postseason baseball. And this is a good week to do it because the way the schedule broke out, there's like six or seven ranked on ranked matchups, especially. Some some top 10. I think there's two top 10 uh, matchups. So we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, I kind of want to talk about the previous week. Um, I think a lot of people are overreacting to Bama. Barely squeaking out Texas A&M with a backup quarterback 24-20. to Texas A&M is a weird team. But they're a, really, they're, they're a good team. Like they might they may be 3-3. Three and three, but they've had their struggles on offenses. That defense is really good. And the way, you know, Alabama plays offensively is kind of constructed around Bryce Young and not really with the backup quarterback. It's just it's just not his style right now. He plays more of a Lamar type of style. Like, he'll love to run first. Jalen Milrow, I'm talking about. He was only 12 for 19, 111 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. And he also had two fumbles uh, on sacks. Um, and he also ran on the ground really too, 17 for 83. And you could kind of tell that, you know, there's a lot of talent with him. And he's still learning how to be a precise thrower of the football. But... He, he's very raw, and, you know, that whole – you knew Jimbo Fisher was going into that Alabama week trying to rally the troops at A&M, trying to make this the game of the year for them, which it kind of was. Um, and it came down to the last drive, which that fourth down was really a wacky play call um, because it didn't even reach to the end zone. Maybe if you wanted to run, do a pass, throw a fade, but – you know, they were kind of killing them with rolling to the right and then throwing across the field over to the left side. Um, 
Good, good thing is for Alabama is that they escaped with the win and they got a monstrous matchup this week, which we'll get into a little bit. Um, and then vice versa, everything goes simply as planned for Georgia. I think the SEC is like starting to turn out to what we thought it really was, which is Alabama, Georgia, and then we have a little bit of a surprise with Tennessee up there, and then everyone else is just... It, they're good. They have good programs and they play really good football, but they're not on the class of those two teams um, and Tennessee as well. So we have Ohio State and Michigan, who also are kind of the top two teams in the Big Ten, uh, taking care of business. Ohio State was down a little bit early with a pick six from C.J. Stroud, but were able to rally 49 to 20 over Michigan State. Michigan winning 31 to 10. Uh, Clemson doing its business too in the ACC, uh, winning 31 to three over Boston college, who is just not really a good team. Um, the ACC is turning out better than expected too. Uh, I can run down the whole top 25 with the score checks. USC beating Washington state 30 to 14 Oklahoma state surviving kind of a back and forth shootout style game with Texas tech 41, 31 Tennessee, just blowing the doors off of LSU. I said that, that that line was so ratty. It was Tennessee was only favored by three points going into death Valley. I just, I just knew LSU was just not a good team right now, especially with Brian Kelly in his first year. He's trying to, he's trying to maneuver his way around figuring out what's wrong with this program. How is it going to adjust with his style of coaching, his style of um, execution, the way he wants to play college football? He's just figuring out, like, all right, what do we have? What do we don't have? So I can't really judge LSU right now as, like, a good team. But I just knew that spot was, like, it had to be Tennessee. Tennessee had to blow them out, and they did, 40-13. to 13. Uh, Ole Miss was down in the first half but ended up rallying in the second half, winning 52-28. to 28. Uh, and then a shocker in the Pac-12 to some, because this was a preseason favor for a lot of people. They, people were on the Utah Utes bandwagon for months, I, and I get it. They have a lot of good um, talent on that team um, in that program with Cam Rising, a really good physical defense, a, a physical running game. But UCLA was just miles and miles better than Utah with their running game. And DTR, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, is sensational. And he's a great mobile quarterback. And the thing with Utah, their first their two losses from this college football season that you look back on, they've been against mobile quarterbacks. Um, but I think it's more because of the explosion plays. UCLA just has more explosion. I think UCLA is a really good football team. Um, and they ended up winning that one 42 to 32, despite only being 5,000 people in the crowd for UCLA. UCLA football needs to do a better job branding over there. I don't, I don't know what's going on. It's like people care if you're good, but UCLA is good and people are still not showing up. That's on the program itself. They got to figure it out. Um, Oregon ended up beating Arizona, taking care of business against Arizona, 49 to 22. Uh, Kentucky suffered an upset loss to South Carolina. That was kind of a rat uh, trap game, too, with Kentucky. Uh, 24-14. Uh, UK had their backup quarterback coming in with Will Levitz being hurt. 
Um, NC State escaping Florida State in kind of a dogfight type of game. Um, there's something wrong with Devin Leary uh, with his throwing shoulder. I think right now the reports are that NC State's uh, going with their backup quarterback and that Syracuse is preparing this week for you know Devin Leary just in case it's a fastball because you never know what these college football writers and what's actually true and what's actually not. There's no injury report mandate that they have to follow. So, but regardless, NC State ended up winning their five and one on the year, nineteen seventeen over uh, Florida State. Uh, Wake Forest took care of business against Army, forty-five to ten. BYU went down to Notre Dame in Vegas, twenty-eight to twenty. I mean, it was it was a tough game for BYU. And I, you knew me, the last CFP 100 that we recorded, I was telling you that BYU could have been a playoff team. But right now, the, with injuries, they're, they're just not getting it done. The defense is really struggling for them. They couldn't get off the field against Notre Dame. Notre Dame, if I look at the time possession quick, I think Notre Dame had around like 30, 35 to 40 minutes with the football. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, they had 40... 40 minutes and 55 seconds of possession. Like, it, that, that's how you win football games for the Fighting Irish. You just hold on to the football. BYU couldn't do anything with it either. Like, they just ran out of time. Made it interesting, though, late. They were surging late. I thought if they would get the ball back, they would end up uh, winning that game, but they didn't. So, all right. And then we had a crazy one in Lawrence, uh, Kansas. It was slow in the first half, but then things really picked up in the third quarter with 42 points. Uh, TCU ended up escaping Lawrence, Kansas, beating the Jayhawks 38-31. to uh, Even with uh, Jalen Daniels going out for Kansas, that uh, Jason Bean made it an interesting game. He, he was slicing and dicing that Horn Frogs defense. But he threw one really bad pick where it was like, oh, my gosh, I can see why he lost the job. Like, he's not a bad quarterback. It's just that he makes a mistake like that, and you're like, oh, come on. Now I know why you, you transferred over there, you know. But, I mean, like, were the Jayhawks fine with him if Jalen Daniels can't go? I think so. They got an interesting matchup with Oklahoma this upcoming week, but... Who knows? And I think TCU is definitely going to be one of those teams we're going to be uh, talking about uh, in the next college football playoff. Like the first couple of rankings, I think TCU will be that team that people are just going to be like, what do you do with the Horn Frogs here? But uh, they got a tough one this upcoming week. And if you look at the Big 12 schedules too, it does not get it any easier because TCU still has to play Kansas State and uh, Texas. So... Uh, that's also part of the discussion point we'll get into, but T TCU is definitely impressive to me because Max Duggan, who at first wasn't the quarterback, like he didn't win the starting job at the beginning of the year. And then the starter gets hurt and he's really stepped into this offense. He's really done a really good job to the point where, you know, He's deceiving. He plays like a college version of Daniel Jones, but a better version, like a better uh, Daniel Jones, if you know what I'm saying. He's big. He's massive, and he can run like a deer. Deceiving speed. Really does, and he can sling it really well, too. I didn't think he had any issues um, on Saturday against Kansas. 
some of their drive stall out in the first half, but then afterwards he was really marching down the field and leading that Sony Dykes led team to a victory. And he he threw some really good football. So where I'm like, you know what? Maybe this guy can play on Sundays. Maybe he could. But we'll see how TCU goes uh, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, Kansas State <laughs> surviving an ugly one with Iowa State, winning 10-9. Hope you had the under in that one. Uh, Washington State getting upset by Arizona State, who was playing with pride, and Washington State coming off a tough loss against UCLA last Friday. I mean, Washington was a great story in the first couple of months, but I think we're going to come back down to reality with them. Maybe they get an upset win in the near future with some of these big teams. They face or they're at Oregon. Maybe they do it there, but, um, you know, it's good for Washington to be sort of relevant. I do like their the uniforms that they have is sweet. The gold, the gold helmets with the purple unis. Oh, it's it's a great uh, uniform matchup. Uh, Arkansas proved to be really bad. Um, not as good as we thought they were. Uh, losing to Mississippi State forty to seventeen after the uh, the big time Alabama uh, game. Will Rogers is slinging the ball. We Mike Leach is establishing the air raid offense at Mississippi State. Those. Those bull, Bulldogs are just slinging the rock all over the place. Will Rogers, 31 for 48, 395, and three touchdowns. And then Cincinnati ended up winning 28 to 24. So, what are the major takeaways from week six? I think Alabama is, people want to like bury Alabama, but they're not in trouble yet. Right, And we're kind of establishing what, who the top teams are and who are going to be in the conversation uh, going into November and December, right? We're seeing Texas with Quinn Ewers just dominating, and that's the game I didn't even bring up yet. Texas just blowing out Oklahoma 49 nothing in the Red River shootout. Oklahoma fans are just, they're wondering what's happening. Do we have the right guy? Is this a talented team? They had their backup quarterback in because Dylan Gabriel couldn't go, but Holy shnikes, like you would expect the Oklahoma team to wake up and to start battling against Texas, man. You looked at a couple of the sideline shots. They looked like disinterested. They looked like they're already checked out. And that's a Brett Venables thing. He's got to get this team, you know, bought back in because they still got a whole season left. And he's trying to establish and create a culture that he wants to, uh, you know, carry forth with this Oklahoma program in his first year. And if no one's going to be bought in, it's going to be uphill battle for him. It's going to be really tough. But I do think Texas is legit. And I think that they're going to be a very interesting team going down to the wire here. For instance, if a couple of upsets happen within the next month and a half, they're going to leapfrog themselves into the conversation if they keep winning these ball games with Quinn Ewers. I think he's sensational. Steve Sarkeesian is establishing the offense he wants to run at Texas, and he's got a quarterback to do it with. I think Texas hired the right guy, and they jump back into the rankings this week. Look at this Look at this schedule. Tell me, tell me how they don't come back into this. Iowa State, a very defensive matchup, 12 o'clock. Maybe a letdown spot after Oklahoma, uh, after the Oklahoma game. 
Iowa State does play great defense. I don't know if they're going to score, obviously, because they only put up nine points against uh, Kansas State. But it is very, very interesting. Um, that's a very interesting game. I don't know what the spread is. Maybe Texas is favored by seven. I would. That's what I would mark that line. Uh, let me check it actually here. So that, 16 and a half. I would take the Cyclones and, and like a little bit of a letdown. But if Texas blows them out, then here we go. Here, here's the meat and potatoes of this Texas schedule and why I think they can make a case for them to be possibly a college football playoff team if a couple of upsets happen. Here we go. All right. So they got Iowa State this week at home. Then they go on the road for the next two weeks at Oklahoma State. And then at Kansas State. Oklahoma State, very interesting. I don't know what to make of Oklahoma State, to be honest with you. Like, they were a really great defensive team last year. And then this year, they're giving up a bunch of points. And they're kind of molding themselves back into what we used to know them as. As a, a productive offensive team. But if you look at Tech, like I think a lot of people are going to be on Texas in that spot. And that is a big time get up game um, for Texas because Oklahoma State's got TCU this week. Maybe they put all their eggs into this basket and then that might be a letdown spot. Or maybe the other way. I mean, if, if TCU ends up beating Oklahoma State, then more than likely Oklahoma State may get their uh, hopes shattered. Or it might be a bounce back game. We never know with these college football teams. But they're at Oklahoma State. Very interesting matchup there. At Kansas State. Which is going to be tough in Manhattan, Kansas. I do like Kansas State a lot going down the stretch here. Um, are they going to be able to slow down Adrian Martinez? That's going to be the huge question. Uh, then they play versus TCU. So you got three straight weeks. Two of them on the road, back-to-back, -back, of probably the best teams in the Big 12. Oklahoma State, Kansas State, TCU. TCU will be an absolute shootout if Quinn Ewers can stay healthy and if this Texas offense is going to be producing like they have been. And then they play at Kansas the next week. Look, man, don't sleep on the Jayhawks just yet. Just because they lost their first game of the season doesn't mean to write them off. This is a really good football team. Really is. And I wish Ant was here so that way me and him can just like praise Kansas all the way to the sun gods. Like seriously. They're awesome. They're awesome to watch. I bet you a lot of people in that 12 o'clock window tuned in to TCU and Kansas more than any other game that was going on during that time slot. They're fun to watch, man. They got to get their uniforms figured out, though. I don't. I'm not a big, uh, big believer in those red unis that Kansas throws out on there with the Jayhawk on the side of the helmet. Go blue, go all blue with the white helmet if you're gonna do do that, or just go with the blue Jayhawk helmet too with blue. They got a really good blue. I don't know why they use they use the red a lot, especially with basketball too. You see them wear their red Kansas jerseys all the time. I I just don't get it. And then they finish with Baylor. So, like, Texas ends up being 11-2. and two. They win the Big 12, which is going to be one versus two, which is what a lot of conferences are kind of uh, adopting now, being the case. Uh, for their, They're just getting rid of divisions. 
I think Texas could have a case to be in that fourth spot if, you know, certain things happen. Which leads me to the discussion uh, discussion point. We have our top four teams right now, right? I don't think it's any debate whatsoever uh, when you look at the rankings from the AP and the college and the coaches poll. And more than likely, I do think these will be the top four teams. Well, actually, no, the AP threw, uh, juked me out. I <laughs> Top five teams. Let's go with that. All right, top five teams, but mainly this four, right? We got Alabama. We got Georgia. We got Ohio State. We got Michigan. Those are the four teams. And then Clemson's the one that's like in or out. Like, like you're either in on Clemson or you're out on Clemson. I can see Clemson leap and frog, uh, leapfrogging Michigan because there's going to be a lot of Clemson voters put giving them a couple of votes ahead of Michigan. I get it. But when you look at the whole entire uh, landscape of college football and you look how the way things are going to shake out, right? And we're, we got this big magic uh, crystal ball in front of us trying to predict what's going to happen with college football every single season. That's just what we do, right? Right, college basketball rolls around. They have that like prime time slot, and then we we predominantly watch because of the CFP rankings coming in that middle of those double header games. The CFP rankings. We're like, all right, let's let's see what the committee does this week. Are they going to put Cincinnati in? You know, this year it's going to be more of who are the big dogs and who are not the big dogs. And this is going to be my case because we all agree Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State are all going to be there, right? Ohio State and Michigan have a big wrench in their schedule, and that is Penn State. Penn State can legitimize themselves if they end up beating one of the two. That's the big. That's the only curveball in Michigan and Ohio State's schedule is the Nittany Lions. I don't see anyone else because right now those are the only three teams I think from the um, Big Ten besides Illinois from the West. And oh my gosh, that Big Ten West division! Wow. If you want, if you want to go ahead and just like think about one of those teams will be competing for a championship title. Uh, yeah, go look at the West division and you scratch your head. Same thing with like the Atlant, the ACC Coastal division is kind of the same boat. But here's my case here. I think it is more likely that the top four teams in Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan are going to be our top four teams at the end of the season when everything's all said and done. Their one losses are going to be to each other. Where it's going to be either Georgia beats Alabama or Alabama beats Georgia. Those are going to be the one loss there and then the other one's undefeated. Ohio State and Michigan... The one loss is going to be to each other, and then whether it's Ohio State beating Michigan or Michigan beating Ohio State. And then everyone else is just like, is just there. The only thing that could mess this up is if Clemson's undefeated, but that's going to come down to if you buy into Clemson or not. Is this a legit college football championship contender is this a championship contending team with dj uliangale the defense is legit we just don't know if the offense is 
And you look at the top, those four teams against Clemson, you could argue that all four of them are better. Right? The one that people are going to like struggle with is Michigan and Clemson. But when you look at Michigan, you're like, oh, that's a way more productive offense. And yet the defense is still doing its job of what it did last year. They're just faster. They're a faster defense. They don't have like the big name hunt the hunt the QB down and um and uh, David Ojabo and uh, Aiden Hutchinson. They don't have those guys, but they're getting the job done on that back end. And with the way and you look at the schedule, you know you could argue that Clemson's beaten more productive teams, but then Michigan is going to have the most. Uh, the hardest opponent against Ohio State. And if it's close, then they'll give the edge to Michigan. All right? And then you got the look. All right, so other than Clemson, who else can challenge those other four teams? One I already said is Penn State. Because if Penn State ends up beating both Ohio State and Michigan, then they're going to leapfrog themselves into that spot. And then whether you put Michigan or Ohio State in that four spot, that's the other debate that would ensue. Okay? So that's the that's the one option is Penn State just messing this whole thing up for the Big Ten um, to get two teams in. I mean, they still could get two teams in if Penn State wins, but it wouldn't be Ohio State and Michigan battling it out in the college football playoff. Penn State would be in there if they end up running the table. All right? So let's look at the other conferences so we got Clemson as one option, Penn State as the second option. Let's look at the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Okay? There's a lot of chaos that's going to happen with this Big 12. And the Big 12 is going to need some help. Right? Unless TCU or Oklahoma State do end up running the table and they end up having that undefeated word that may... Uh, entice them to be inserted into that fourth and final spot over a one-loss Michigan, a one-loss Ohio State, a one-loss Georgia, a one-loss Bama, or even a Clemson, an undefeated Clemson. Because a Big 12, when it comes down to judging a conference, is probably the deepest conference out there. Now, there's going to be other debates, too, with how deep certain conferences are, and the Pac-12 will have uh, would like to have a word in that conversation. But if these if these teams end up beating each other out, for example, if Texas ends up running the table with that schedule that I laid out, right? Or if Kansas State ends up beating everybody. Because remember, in the, in the Big 12 championship game, it's the top two teams. It's not necessarily divisions like the uh, SEC and the Big 10. It's going to be the top two, which I think should be adopted a lot more with our whole entire landscape. It should just be the top two teams of college football um, of that conference. But in this case, if if Texas, Kansas State, or even Kansas, as a matter of fact, if, if chaos happens in the Big Twelve then I think the Big 12 is going to find itself out again of the um, college football playoff. They'll be on the outside looking in unless chaos happens. And that's why Tennessee is a big factor in this as well. Because Tennessee is also going to have that opportunity, like Penn State does, of playing Georgia and playing Bama, especially this upcoming week. 
they can throw that lore in there. They can end up messing up this whole entire Alabama and Georgia. Although their hill is going to be a lot, a lot steeper to climb than the other guys, than Penn State's, because they will have to play Bama, Georgia, and then most likely Bama again in the SEC championship game. Those are going to be monstrous matchups. And do the Vols accomplish all three? I don't think so. And then let's get into the Pac-12, because that is going to be the team be like, what about USC and the Trojans? Because they're sitting right now ranked seventh in the AP poll, AP poll, and then sixth in the uh, coaches poll, and you're looking at them, you're like, they got the explosive offense, their defense is very opportunistic, you know, they lead the conference in interceptions and sacks. I think they are primed playoff team. Although I will say this, they have t- a tough matchup with Utah and then UCLA. And then they're going to play whoever's the best, the second best team in the Pac-12, whether it be Oregon or either UCLA or Utah again. Right? Because the way Utah matches up is that they're a very physical team. Even though they struggle against mobile quarterbacks, I just think USC's defense is more opportunistic than it is a, a good defense. Right, you can definitely get yards per uh, play, and you can rack up a bunch of yards and get a lot of stable drives going against the Trojans' defense. Ooh, excuse me, I had a really bad burp there. Um, you can get a lot of good drives and a lot of good yards per play on this Trojans' defense, and I think Cam Rising and this Utah Utes team is looking at that because they circle, they totally circled this matchup on their calendar when the schedules got released about this upcoming season being like, this is the game. This is the game we're going to get up for. Kind of like that Oregon game last year where it's a home game. They're going to be in their black uniforms. It's going to be a ruckus environment. It's a night game. They're going to come out swinging for defenses against Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. This is going to be the test to be like, what is USC made of right now with all these transfers and Lincoln Riley in this first season? Where are they at when it comes to facing a good quality opponent? Are they going to fold? I don't think so. I think it's actually going to be a really close game, but I do think the Utes end up winning it. But then what does this mean going forward? Say USC beats that team. Then the other team in the discussion is UCLA, who's also undefeated, who has beat Washington and Utah, and they're going to have to go up to Austin Stadium in Oregon and beat that team up there, and then they're playing USC also. So what happens with that team? Are they going to be a playoff team? Are you going to be able to make the case for an undefeated Bruins team that ends up beating Utah, UCLA, Washington, Oregon, and then whoever one of those four teams, again, in the Pac-12 championship game, over a one-loss Georgia, a one-loss Michigan, a one-loss Ohio State, a one-loss Bama team, or undefeated Clemson, or undefeated Tennessee, or an undefeated Penn State. It it is going to be... That's the discussion. What I just laid out right there is exactly what we're going to be debating about for the next month. Right? We know our four teams... 
can any of those other ones with that scenario, the Big 12, the Pac-12, Tennessee, Penn State, and Clemson, can out of those five groups, can any of them challenge the four, right? And right now, if I had to put a percentage on the four teams to be in the college football playoff, I think Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and Michigan is probably a 35 to 40% chance of being the final four teams we get at the end of the year. It is going to be fascinating to watch, and this is going to be the, the year where the 12-team playoff is going to look like it was a smart decision to do. Right? We're going to have all these great teams battling it out. Right? And I get it to the people who say keep it only four or keep it to two or bring back the BCS with the computers poll and all that bullshit. Look, I get those arguments. To where it's like, oh, well, they already had their chance. They already had losses. Man, dude, it is it is tough beating these teams every single week. It is an absolute grind to where one little missed call or one little play is going to ruin your entire season. I mean, think about it. UCLA is really good. That would be a really good matchup against Alabama. With the way they're physical and with a mobile quarterback who's possibly going to get it done. Like, they will be awesome to watch battle it out, right? Oregon, even though they got stomped on by Georgia in the first week with a new coach, a new quarterback, new system, new offensive coordinator, like, even though they suffered an awful loss like that, they have bounced back tremendously, right? And look at where they're at. They're ranked 11th and 12th in both of these polls. And TCU, a team no one really is talking about, is undefeated. And they have Max Duggan, who didn't even win the starting quarterback job at the beginning of the year. Now all of a sudden, he's back into the conversation. They're in the conversation. Like the 12-team playoff would be awesome right now. And it is six games, and we got another half of the season remaining. Right? And we'll see how these teams shake up. But man, I would love to see this 12 team playoff in effect this season. But I know we're not getting it until probably at least 2024, or 2025, or even 2026. But man, I'm telling you right now is a great time to buy into this college football playoff. The Big 12 is going to be a dogfight every single week. We have Alabama, Tennessee, and we have Tennessee going to play Georgia in the near future if they end up winning against Alabama this week. We have Penn State dealing, uh, going to battle Michigan, and then at the end of the month, battle Ohio State. We have all these top programs, the Pac-12. What is USC going to be, right? What is UCLA going to be? Right? And then what is Cle- can Clemson convince us that they are legit? Can they convince us that they are a top college football playoff team? Can they do it? Or could one of these teams that I didn't even mention about sneak up back in there? Right? That already have a loss that, oh, we can bypass that one because it was bad. I mean... What if North Carolina just comes out of nowhere and just runs the table? Right? What if they beat Clemson? Now, I got to see if they end up playing Clemson 
But, hey, Cincinnati, too, with the one loss against Arkansas. I'm not saying they have a shot to get back in there. But, no, no North Carolina does not play um, Clemson. That would be interesting. Are they ahead in that Coastal division? They are. Okay. So, it might be North Carolina versus uh, Clemson. Man, what a great uniform game that will be. But, you know, what, what if one of those teams comes out of nowhere and ends up shocking people? Right? Syracuse, who's undefeated. They're 18. Could you imagine a Carrier Dome with an undefeated Syracuse Orange team? Now, they're a good defensive team. I haven't admitted that I watch a lot of Syracuse football. But what if next week, or what if this week they beat NC State, and the next week at Clemson they shock everybody? Right? Do they end up get, having an argument for it? Which, which, you know, that whole part of that discussion... It's kind of establishing what college football talk is going to end up being for the next month, right? Are we valuing these Big 12 teams? What about the Pac-12? Do those teams have a shot to bounce somebody out? Or, or also, can Tennessee, Penn State end up blowing up the top four and putting themselves into the top four or can Clemson convince us that they're a legit team? Those are the five main points surrounding this college football playoff. All right. Let's talk about some games coming up. Let's get some picks going. Right? And that's the big one already with Penn State and Michigan this upcoming week. We don't really know what Michigan is. We don't really know what Penn State is. Right? Michigan has kind of played this cupcake little bit of a schedule. Um, not hardly any legit non-conference battles. I mean, like, if you look at the non-conference at play, you could argue that those are probably consuming of the top five of the worst teams in college football with Colorado State, Hawaii, and UConn, right? But they ended up beating Maryland 34-27. One possession game at home. First, con not, first conference test at Iowa 27-14 at Indiana 31-10. Penn State is kind of similar, but they had that test against Purdue at the beginning of the season. Then they played Ohio, smacked them. They played at Auburn, absolutely ran all over them. Central Michigan smacked them. Northwestern in a monsoon beat them, right? And now they play Michigan. I cannot back Penn State when Sean Clifford's on that football field, man. It is so tough. But despite that, they are physical. They are tough, and I think they have what it takes to upset a team like Michigan, right? That defensive lineup is really good with the cornerbacks. The I would like to see more linebacker play out of Penn State. They do have a really good kid. I think he wears number 12. But their D-line is really good, too. If they're able to make Michigan one-dimensional, it is going to be a fascinating football game to watch. And Penn State has had their struggles of going up to the big house and trying to pull off big-time games. I just can't trust James Franklin to do it. And I will think Michigan wins this one, but the spread is seven. If you're going to tell me to take a side, I think I would take Michigan uh, minus seven. Right? I hope Penn State makes a competitive football game. I used to root for Penn I used to be a really big Penn State fan back in the day. 
and my whole family used to root for Penn State, and I, I will root for them. Like, I'll be like, oh, yeah, Penn State, let's go. We are, yeah. But when it comes down to business and when it comes down to board and making the right decision, I think a smart play would be to bet the under 51 and a half. I think it is going to be that whoever establishes the running game is going to win this football game. I don't see Corum running all over the Nittany Lions defense, vice versa the other way, with the freshman sensation that Penn State has too running the football. Uh, I do think Michigan will end up winning this football game. 27 to 20 is going to be my final prediction on that one. I just, Sean Clifford, you're making it tough for me to buy into it. But if you make it one dimensional and JJ McCarthy's the one having to make the plays. If you're telling me to pick between JJ McCarthy or Sean Clifford, I may pick Sean Clifford in that. You know what I'm saying? It's it's weird. It is going to be an absolute great game to watch, though. My advice, gambling advice, my pick would be the under, though. 51 and a half seems a bit too high for teams that are going to want to establish both running games. Okay? A lot of clock chewing. A lot of clock chewing. All right. Let's keep going down the schedule. Uh, Kansas and Oklahoma. This one's ratty, 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 ratty. Oklahoma is minus nine. After getting shut out, blown out by Texas, they are minus nine, the, the Jayhawks. Look, I think Jason Bean played pretty darn well. And you're going to have that dilemma of, you know, are they... Is Jalen Daniels going to play? Is Jason Bean going to play? There's a bit of uncertainty going on with who's going to be the quarterback. And Oklahoma, they, they got to get the fundamentals right. They're not doing that right now. Right? A lot of players are checking themselves out. You got Kansas coming in. You think the players that are checked out and having a tough time buying back into the program are going to get bought back into playing against Clemson? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wow, sorry about that. A little advertisement. Screw you guys. Um, anyway, I'll take Kansas with the points. That's just not me being a Jayhawk believer and a truther. But I just think that's way too many points for an Oklahoma team that's very down. The, the line is telling you to bet Oklahoma. I'm not taking that trap. I'll, I will take the Jayhawks plus nine. Uh, Texas plays Iowa State at home. We kind of talked about that. The line is way too big, minus 16 and a half. Over under is 49. So they're expecting Texas to score a bit. They're not expecting Iowa State to score, which I think is a predominantly good one uh, to believe in, a uh, good reason to believe in. But I do think Texas wins this ball game probably by 10 to 14 points. I don't see 16. Uh, if I was an odds maker, I would have this line at 7. So... That would kind of convince you guys to bet um, Iowa State, but I, I won't touch this one. No, it's too stinky. Uh, shocking one, too. I mentioned about him being ranked for the first time in, like, forever. Illinois against Minnesota. That Big Ten West, you just plug your nose and you just watch all along. I think Minnesota is the best team out of that division. Maybe it's Purdue, which they lost to Purdue the last time we saw them. They were on a bye last week. I would pick the Golden Golfers. They're minus six and a half. I think I would take the Golfers. Even though I do want to buy into somebody being at least good in that division. Somebody just take it over. Please. <laughs> so let's move on. 
I'm going to get a water quick. Hold on. I'm going to take a little sip, and then we're going to talk about some ma- like two big-time matchups in the 330 slot. <sighs> All right. Oklahoma State and TCU. TCU's favored by four. They're at home. Sonny Dice has got this program going in a great way. Over under is 68. Man, that over is tough. Right? You had to sweat that TCU Kansas over last week because it came down to the wire. It almost did. Almost did. Almost hit it. Right? Kansas could have kicked the field goal to cash that over, but hey, they had to go win the ball game. Uh, I am going to buy into Sonny Dykes, though, and what Max Duggan is doing at quarterback. Phenomenal job uh, with TCU. I am picking a lot of favorites right now. Holy moly. I, I, that's not a good sign. Although I did pick Kansas, so that's that's the one underdog. Don't worry about that. Uh, TCU, I think TCU wins that ball game. I think Oklahoma State showed a lot of vulnerability last week. Spencer Sanders. He's a really good dual quarterback, but if you're going to tell me who's going to be better, I think Max Duggan's going to be better. Oklahoma State's defense is not the same tough defense it was last year, and I think TCU will be able to uh, be opportunistic and be able to score a lot on that defense, right? They're going to see what Texas Tech did um, in that in that game and be able to put their own flavor to it. Sonny Dykes is a phenomenal offensive mind, and he's going to be able to get that Horn Frogs defense in the end zone a lot of times. I'll take the Horn Frogs in that one. I think Oklahoma State goes down. I'm just, I'm just not buying an Oklahoma State right now. But this is a good time to prove me wrong. You know, maybe Oklahoma State should, uh, should do a little bit of the running game. Maybe establish that. Keep that TCU offense off the field as many times as you can, because you're going to stop TCU in the fewer times that they're on the on the field more than if you give TCU opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to do something with it. It's just not going to work that way. I don't know why these ads keep playing. Holy moly. But TCU, I'll pick TCU to win uh, 37 to 24. I think they win by two touchdowns. All right, the big doozy, Alabama and Tennessee. Alabama's favored by 7.5, over under 65.5. You know what's crazy about this game? Not only is the factor of, is Bryce Young going to play? Is uh, Milrow going to play? Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Not only is that the big um, like kink in this game, but the fact that the public is all over Tennessee in this, right? 84% of the public bets, 85% of the money is on Tennessee. Like, big time. That's a huge difference when you're looking at uh, money and public. Like, everyone's on Tennessee right now. Which is making me believe I think Alabama is going gonna, is, is gonna to be able to win this. Now, I said a couple of weeks ago on the CFP 100, if you listened to the last episode, that Alabama struggles on the road against, like, these top teams. They do. Their road history is not good. When it comes to, they're always close games. Texas was a close game, right? The only one that I can remember that was relatively more by two possessions was Arkansas, but Arkansas just proved that they're not very good.
I will be taking Alabama, right? Tennessee's defense is not as good as Texas A&M. I think they will score regardless, right? Maybe they'll establish a couple of packages with Milrow coming in there, getting that run game going. I mean, with, um, with Gibbs, I think that'll be an awesome package to establish against uh, Tennessee, right? And I think that Alabama defense is better than people think. But I will be picking the Alabama Crimson Tide, winning that ball game by 10 points. I think this is when Nick, Stable, Nick Saban establishes who he is as a college football coach and that you know, Josh Heupel and Tennessee are there, but they're not there just yet. I think it maybe they give Georgia a game later, which Georgia's kind of showing a vulnerability, especially in that tough game against Missouri. If you establish a certain game plan against that Georgia Bulldogs defense, you're able to keep them on the field, and you're able to shut Stenson Bennett out and force a lot of three and outs. You could win. I could totally see Tennessee beating uh, Georgia, but I just don't think the matchup is going to work well with against Alabama. I do think Alabama, everyone's talking about, they don't have the receivers. They don't have the receivers. I think the receivers will step up in this one. I'm just not a buyer in this Vols defense, and I think you will see career days from Josh Gibbs um, for Alabama. I think that running game is going to be a massive factor uh, for the Crimson Tide. Give me Bama in that one to win by 10. Uh, all right, so NC, a couple of ACC matchups. Uh, Clemson at Florida State. This is a very interesting one. Clemson's minus three and a half uh, going to the Seminoles, who suffered a tough loss against NC State. They thought they had it. They were leading the majority of that game, but NC State ended up pulling it out and winning that one. Um, good things are going on in Tallahassee this year. That program is sort of back. Mike Norvell's got what he wants in a college football team now at Florida State. We, we talked about entering the year that he was going to be on the hot seat. I think he's kind of saved it a little bit. Jordan Travis is playing better. I don't know how well he's going to do against this Clemson defense, man. I think Clemson's defense is going to come ready to play. Over under is 51 right now. Um, but Florida State has talent on their defense as well. And I think it will be a low-scoring game. It's about who's going to get the 20 points first, I think. Right, I think it's going to be a similar score to what we saw with Florida State last week, 19-17 or 17-14. I do think it will be a low-scoring game, although DJ is kind of establishing what he is as a quarterback. Right, He's not going to beat you with his arm. He's not going to make, like wow you with his excellent passing, but he's a bulldozing running-style QB that will just keep running all over you and wear you down as a defense. I think Clemson wins, but I think it's closer than three and a half. If you were giving me points, I will take Florida State with the points, and I will also bet the under on that game too. I think it's more like a field goal or like a two-point game, but I do see it being low scoring, and I, you know, Florida State is a really uh, big-time public underdog in this situation. But I do think Clemson ends up winning the ballgame. Uh, NC State, Syracuse, who knows what NC State's QB is going to be. I will take Syracuse in that one. It's weird. They're favored by three and a half. 
it, it smells, it's telling you to bet Syracuse, so why not? Like, right? Um, Mississippi State, Kentucky, I'll go Mississippi, uh, right? Mississippi State there. Not Mississippi, Mississippi State, Kentucky. A lot of words there. Um, give me a breather, man. I mean, like, I'm talking for a while. And then the big time matchup at the end of the day, Utah home against USC. I think Utah wins that game. I, I really do. And this is a big-time game for Caleb Williams. If he's a legit QB, use your mobility to your best advantages because you know Lincoln Riley's going to establish that too where they're going to have like five or six plays that are going to rely on Caleb Williams' legs because they're going to watch the film like uh, UCLA versus Utah and Florida versus Utah and seeing those quarterbacks – DTR and Anthony Richardson use, using their mobility to be able to create big plays and big-time gains and first downs against this youth's defense. I don't see it happening with Caleb Williams. I think the Utes will come to play. This is their Super Bowl, sort of. This is the biggest game on their schedule that they will see. Because of the two losses, I think they realize what their playoff chances are. But I do think Utah wins this game. It is going to be an awesome watch. That atmosphere in Utah is amazing. It is unreal. Give me the Utes. Uh, Score-wise, I say 26-24. to 24. That's going to be my final. So Utes score a game-winning kick. Right? Do these upsets happen? I know upset picks are a big thing. Of what we do on this show. I mean like. For talking Vegas wise. My upset would be Kansas over Oklahoma. Um, but yeah. I would go with Utah over USC. To be my upset pick. I really like the Utes. Ranking wise. Um, over that. And I do like TCU as well. There's a couple of dogs I like. And if you look at the board. You'll be able to find some favorable matchups. I do like West Virginia on Thursday, a Thursday night game in Morgantown against Baylor. I really, I really like uh, the Mountaineers. I think the Mountaineers, after suffering a couple of heartbreaking losses, are kind of establishing uh, Jalen, Jason Daniels. Is it Jason? No, JT Daniels. My apologies. JT Daniels is coming into a rhythm with this offense of what they want to do. Um, I do think they need to make a coaching change, though, uh, to be quite frank with you. Um, Cal minus 14.5 against Colorado, sure. Uh, a lot of big games this week. I like BYU. I'm not going to get off that BYU train, man, but Arkansas does stink. <laughs> they were not good at all. Um, and I do think BYU will have the ball more than just 20 minutes. Um, James Madison, that's an unbeaten team that no one's really talking about in the Sun Belt, minus 12. I know those uh, JMU alums and those Dukies are trying to be like, hey, what about us, man? We're we're killing it in our first year. Nah, I, sure, you're not eligible to go to a bowl or anything like that, but hey, great season for you. Um, LSU at Florida. That's a weird one. I would go with Florida in that. Would I bet it? No. Um, Stanford versus Notre Dame. Notre Dame minus 17. I, I just can't bet the Fighting Irish if they're favored more than 10. Uh, I do think Purdue will blow out Nebraska. North Carolina minus 7 against Duke. Again, that with that 
UNC team. I think UNC just absolutely rolls over Duke. Duke can't score any points. Duke is bad defensively. I think uh, Drake May is starting to climb up into these quarterback rankings for these uh, talent evaluators in the next level. Uh, People are starting to like him. Uh, Give me that. Give me North Carolina in that one. All right, that's going to do it for the CFP 100 this week. Thank you for tuning in. Um, Hopefully I get a guest in the next couple of weeks. I don't think Hudson's going to be able to join this uh, podcast for this year. He's been dealing with a lot of internet issues overseas. Um, probably just not going to be able to get him on the show. Unfortunately, he's awesome though. And I can't, I really wanted to pick his brain over Kansas and Oklahoma this week. See what happens. But, but Hey, I mean, he's having a fantastic time over there. Kudos to him for what he's doing. Um, Anthony's getting hockey established, you know, in Nashville, he's got a great gig, phenomenal stuff for him. And, uh, I would just keep, Dropping my thoughts every week on this show, especially with the playoffs looming around the corner, right? That playoff discussion we're going to be having. I love talking about that stuff. And I hope you have a successful weekend if you're betting. And if you're a college football fan in general of one of these teams, I hope you end up winning. And uh, we'll see you next week on the CFP 100. That's the show. We're out of here.